Good day, all. Welcome to a new episode of Learning Bible Truth with Dr. Kamala D. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D., here to teach you Bible truth, help you grow in faith, and learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Now, I want you to remember to pray and ask God for understanding. Put your learning hats on, get your Bibles, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's learn Bible truth. Welcome everyone, especially the new listeners. This is the first of a nine episode series entitled The Pure Uncut Truth About the Gospel of Jesus the Christ. If you don't know who Jesus is and why he came to earth, you will definitely know after this series. I made this into a nine part series because I don't want to leave anything to chance as it relates to Jesus. People are following religion because they have no idea who Jesus is and why he came. My goal and mission is to direct or lead you to the true and living God. And the only way anyone can do this is by sharing the uncut gospel of Jesus. Now, because this series is long and it is almost impossible for me to read every scripture I studied for this series, I will be sharing a great amount of scripture during my teachings for you to write down as well as reading a lot of scripture during my teachings. I will be sharing with you every scripture I studied for this series. Amen. Now, I typically read and teach from the New King James Bible. But for this particular series, I will be teaching and reading from the traditional King James Bible. Now, with that said, let's get started with episode number one, the simple gospel. Now, let's go to our foundational scripture. It is found in Romans chapter one, verse 16. Now, for the sake of time, I will commence to reading while you pause the tape, find the scripture and then resume. Okay, this is the Apostle Paul talking. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So what is the gospel? The word gospel simply means good news. I believe that the shortest biblical definition for the gospel is that which is written in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 2. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, although this verse does not contain every element of the gospel, it provides the central thrust of its power and preeminence. For a slightly more expanded biblical definition of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we can find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, 
and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. What are the essential truths contained in this good news? I can summarize that with this statement. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the revelation of God, according to the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, which focuses on the person and work of Jesus in his incarnation, his crucifixion, his resurrection, his ascension, and his restitution of all things in his bodily return. So we are going to cover in this first episode, these five aspects of the gospel, the incarnation of Jesus, the crucifixion of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus and the ascension of Jesus, along with the restitution of Jesus. We will start with the incarnation of Jesus. When we speak of incarnation, we mean that God became a man. Expounded upon, this truth states that Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, is very much so God, holy and transcendent, who condescended to become a man. Oh, amen. Now, I might struggle to get through this episode because I get full when I talk about what Jesus Christ did for me. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, because I know who he is and why he came. And I want you to know who he is and why he came for you as well. Now, with a fully human nature coexisting with his divine nature as God, he was born of a virgin, which originates from the first proclamation of the gospel immediately after Adam's fall. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. That's in Genesis chapter three, verse 15, write it down so you can study it later. Now being a seed indicates Christ's human birth. Being the seed of the woman indicates his virgin birth thus maintaining all deity in his divine nature. The bruising of Christ's heel speaks of his death by crucifixion. The bruise or crushing of the, of the serpent's head indicates the destruction of Satan's power and furthermore indicates the sufficiency and supremacy of Christ's sacrificial death. My, my. That is so powerful. The truth of Christ's glorious deity is essential because it is important to know who has saved us. Otherwise, our worship is in vain. This truth is also important because the salvation, which is of the Lord, found in Jonah chapter 2 verse 9, is supremely powerful to save and sufficiently powerful to preserve that saving work to the end. By it, and when I say by it, I'm talking about the incarnation of Jesus. We also mean that Christ, as a man, lived a holy and righteous life, born as a babe, like every descendant of Adam, but of a virgin. 
He is like no other man who was or ever will be born. His being born like any other descendant of Adam indicates Christ's complete humanity. Yet, it also speaks of his unique character by his holiness unto God and his sinlessness among men. He was made subject to every infirmity and affliction common to man, yet he endured. He was tempted in every way like as we are, yet he was without sin, holy, blameless, undefiled, and always pleasing to the Heavenly Father. His thinking was of the purest thoughts unto godly obedience to his Father. His heart harbored no vain or selfish grudge. Every utterance of his mouth was heavenly, having no guile, no deceit, nor slander, nor gossip, nor malignity. His every deed was honorable and honoring before every vestige of heaven. He was the only righteous man who ever lived, the only pious prophet who spoke truth in purity and equity, the only Jew who ever kept the entire law perfectly, and the only son who ever obeyed his father sweetly, completely, lovingly, and sincerely. The truth of Christ's righteous humanity is essential because it is important to recognize that the sins and corruptions held, harbored, and inherited in the flesh of every man, woman, and child since Adam's fall, and because of his fall, are so heinous and so offensive against God that to save mankind from their sins, it took nothing less than God himself condescending to earth to be clothed in the likeness of men. Read Philippians chapter 2 verses 6 and 7. A denial of Christ's humanity is not of God, folks. Read 1 John 4 and 3. Now let's look a little bit closer at the crucifixion of Christ. When we speak of the crucifixion of Christ or use the expression Christ crucified, we are speaking of the redemption of sinners by the penal substitutionary and atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ upon a tree. And I'm talking about a Roman cross as it is written in Galatians chapter three, verse 13. Christ had redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Jesus Christ, the God-man, humbled himself in his condescending incarnation. He willingly laid down his life by the love of God. He obediently gave himself by the decree of the Heavenly Father. He surrendered himself to lay down his life as God's sufficient substitute, taking upon himself all the pains, miseries, and torments of the wrath of God upon his person. And those afflictions visible upon his body inflicted upon him by sinful men who hated God. Read Isaiah chapter 52 verse 14 and Isaiah chapter 53 verses 3 through 5. And also by the invisible spiritual penalty 
receiving the full measure of God's wrath for a sin debt he did not owe. He then was also the substitute for the debt of sin we owe to God, a debt we could not possibly pay. Write down and study Psalms chapter 75 verse 8 and Isaiah chapter 53 verses 10 and 11. His crucifixion also speaks of his shed blood for the forgiveness of sins. Write down Hebrew chapter 9 verse 22. The purity of Christ's shed blood typified and foreshadowed by the blood sacrifice of innocent and unblemished animals presents the cleansing power of his blood to provide forgiveness of confessed and repentant sin. The power of the purity of Christ's blood is sufficient to cleanse the redeemed soul from every confessed sin he has committed after he has been saved by God's grace. Read 1 John chapter 1 verses 7 through 10. Now furthermore, when we speak of the crucifixion of Christ, it reflects the corruptions contained in a world that has been torn upside down. We see what's going on in this world today. It is worse today than it has ever been. The corruption of the world, which took place at Adam's fall, is so egregiously offensive to God since the fall of man. The fact that the world has not been utterly destroyed is evidence of the satisfying propitiation found in Christ's sacrifice. 1 John 2 and 2. Please read and study that. This sacrifice is such an exultant demonstration of God's love in the person of Christ, such a superlative satisfaction of divine justice in the work of Christ and the most supreme manifestation of grace and mercy in the condescension of Christ, that the earth will also be resurrected in the restoration of all things. Read Ephesians chapter 3, verse 21. Add that to your study. Now, when we speak of the cross of Christ or Christ crucified or the crucifixion of Christ, we are speaking of the holy splendor of Christ's deity to condescend to save lost men because of God's love. That's the reason, people, because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life or eternal life, John 3.16. The cross speaks of the humble obedience of Christ's humanity to go to death. Mm. Even the death of the cross, his righteousness was sufficient enough to be applied to all lost souls that repent and believe savingly. His excellence in all his ways was sufficient to pay the debt of sins for every man, woman, and child that trust in the person and work of Christ for salvation. His righteous life, his humble obedience, and his, solely, his, his holy sacrifice upon the cross is of such infinite value. The power that dwells savingly in the person and the work of Jesus Christ reconciles the sinner to God by God's grace through faith in Christ. 
When we speak of the cross of Christ, we speak of Christ's suffering, the full wrath of God when he hung upon Calvary's tree. Read Psalm 75 verse 8. The wrath of God that sinful men deserve was, was poured out upon Jesus of Nazareth. Paying the penalty he did not owe for sins. He did not even commit. Jesus Christ was the perfect penal substitutionary sacrifice for the propitiation of sinful men who trust by faith in Christ's person and work. Being justified before God by God's condescending grace in, by, and through Jesus Christ. Read Romans chapter 3 verses 23 through 27. When we speak of the cross of Christ, we speak of Christ's real and actual death upon that cross. Since Adam's disobedience and fall, the corruptions of sin through broken fellowship with God entered the human race by Adam and passed upon every succeeding generation. The penalty for Adam's sin was death. From eating of the tree in the middle of the garden from which he was forbidden to eat. Read Genesis chapter 2 verse 17. Therefore, death by natural corruption was mankind's lot through Adam's sin against God. Nevertheless, as Jesus Christ, the sinless man and ever obedient son, laid down his life for all mankind. Read John chapter 10 verses 15 through 18. Dying for men, he would save unto everlasting life for all those who would believe by faith upon Christ's person and work. 1 Corinthians 15:22 says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. When we speak of the cross of Christ, we speak of God's infinite pleasure in the work of his only begotten son to suffer and die upon Calvary's cross. It pleased the Lord God to crush the Christ through his holy wrath. Read Isaiah chapter 53 verse 10. Not because God delights to destroy and put to death, for he does not. Read Ezekiel chapter 18 verses 32, chapter 33 and verse 11. Jesus Christ was ever and always pleasing to his heavenly father. God was so pleased in his willing sacrifice that he was just as the justifier of all who would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ with trusting faith. Read Romans 3 verse 26. The revelation of the exceeding excellence of Christ's life and holiness of his sacrificial death illuminated by the, the, the extreme grace of the Holy Spirit will bring a sinner to see the depravity of his lost condition when set against the overwhelming goodness of Christ. Truly, we are all as an unclean thing and all our righteousness are as filthy rags and we all do fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Read Isaiah 64, 6. That was the prophet Isaiah talking about Jesus. The shame that comes to our souls in the light of the revelation of the offense 
our very lives bring to God far exceeds the shame of Adam and Eve when their nakedness was revealed to them. Now let's talk about the resurrection. What do we mean by the resurrection? When we speak of the resurrection, we mean Christ rising from the dead in his crucified body after three days and three nights in the tomb. The resurrection uh, presents the reality of Jesus Christ's humanity because he was not raised bodily until three days and three nights had passed. Write down and read and study Matthew chapter 12 verses 39 and 40. His death was real and his humanity was true. Although there is a little disagreement on the term third day and the three days and the three nights. Uh, I, I personally believe that Christ was in the tomb for three days and three nights because the Bible says so. And you can read um, the sign of Jonah because Jonah, the prophet, him spending three days and three nights in the belly of the fish represents the death, burial and resurrection of Christ. Nevertheless, I would not break fellowship with a believer who has a a, a a differing of opinion or, or perspective on how many days and nights Jesus spent in the belly or the heart of the earth. That is ludicrous. Some people just don't understand the word. <laughs> That's all. They just don't understand the Bible. If you are not born again, if you are not born again, you cannot come to know or understand the things of God. So you have to look at the Bible in a spiritual way. You cannot, it is impossible for you to understand the word of God with a carnal mind. You have to have a spiritual mind that can only be given to you by the Holy Spirit. Now, the resurrection of Christ is God's open display to the entire creation of his seal and acceptance of Christ's sacrifice. Anyone can claim to be God. Look at John 10, 33. Anyone can claim to have the power to forgive sins. Look at Luke 7, verse 48. Anyone can claim to give one's life to redeem many souls. John 10, 15, Matthew 20, 28. And anyone can claim to raise himself from the dead. John 2, 19, 10, 17, and 18. But no one, and I repeat, but no one can prove any of these things. That is, except for Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who rose from the dead and left an empty tomb in Jerusalem. And that cannot be disputed. It happened. That's why the Bible is a history book as well. Jesus definitely rose from the dead and he was seen by more than 500 people. No one else has done this. No one else can do this. Only God can do it. Now, this one sign, the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, was the only sign given to an evil and adulterous generation of the excellence and worth of Christ before God. And all he is and all he has done, Matthew 12, 39 and 40, therefore to divorce the resurrection of Jesus Christ from his life and death or worse, to deny his bodily resurrection is to deny the simple gospel. When we speak of the resurrection of Christ, we also speak of God's assurance of a resurrection to come. 
God promises to all whom he has saved in Christ will one day be resurrected from the dead. The importance of the resurrection is such that a denial of the bodily resurrection of Christ means a denial of the faith altogether. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12 through 19. Now let's look at the ascension of Christ. When we speak of the ascension of Christ, we mean Christ ascending to the throne of David in heaven. Write down and study Acts chapter 2 verses 29 through 36. Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the only one who has ever ascended into heaven. John 3.13 And we should never forget that. That's why to ignore Christ and go to a religion trying to be reconciled to God is a slap in God's face. And it is a slap in Jesus Christ's face for what he did on the cross for every man. His ascension was necessary and important because Jesus said, he said this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of, of sin because they believe not on me. And I told you guys before during one of my episodes that the only sin that you can go to hell for is not believing in Jesus. And Jesus is telling you right here of sin because they believe not on me of righteousness because I go to my father and ye see me no more of judgment because the prince, which is an alias for Satan. And I keep telling y'all the reason this world is so messed up is because Satan is the God of this world. God is not the Holy Spirit is supposed to be with us to give us the strength to reveal the truth so that we can get through this evil and adulterous generation. Because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whosoever he shall hear. I'm sorry, but whatsoever he shall hear. That shall he speak and he will shew you things to come. He shall glorify me for he shall receive of mine and shall shew it unto you. That is John. You thought I wasn't going to give you the scripture, huh? That is John chapter 16 verses 7 through 14. And you need to read that. Study it. Don't just read it. Study it. Now, it was necessary for Jesus to ascend to the right hand of majesty on high. Read Hebrews 1 and verse 3. Else or else the comforter or helper would not have come. The comforter, the Holy Spirit of Christ must come. Christ's ascension was so very important for this reason. As the Holy Spirit rebukes the world of sin, righteousness and judgment. John 16, 8. Through the means of God's word, Romans 10, 17, God who commanded all men everywhere to repent. Acts 17, verse 30.
Now, as the Holy Spirit also guides in all truth, John 16, 13, and glorifies Christ, John 16, 14, belief unto confession is essential to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is one of the first evidence of a regenerated life unto saving conversion. And y'all know this is this scripture is quoted at the end of all of my podcasts because it is the confession unto salvation. This is Romans chapter 10 verses 9 through 10. It is written that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now the Spirit testifies of the truth of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. That's what the Holy Spirit came for. And by grace, by God's grace, prompts a soul to openly confess Christ because the new heart and new spirit in the regenerate soul Read Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27 has the commandments of God written upon his heart. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Can't do it without receiving Christ. Can't do it without having the Holy Spirit either, my sisters and brothers. The rule and the reign of Christ upon his heavenly throne and his rule and reign in the lives of believers. He has saved through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Is that work God is currently performing upon the earth today, today, Christ, Jesus is working. And so is God today trying to save lives through the spirit's work of gathering one people unto God. Jesus Christ rules and reigns over his kingdom. This people are a particular people growing in unity through the doctrinal devotional and dutiful truths of God's word, provoking one another unto love and good works in submission to King Jesus as faithful subjects until Jesus Christ returns unto the restitution or restoration of all things. Read Acts chapter three, verse 21 saints. Now let's look at the restitution. Okay. When we speak of of the return of Christ and the restitution or restoration of all things, we mean that one day Christ will return to earth imminently. Write down and study Mark chapter 13, verse 32, Acts chapter 1 and 7, visibly Revelation chapter 1, verse 7, and bodily Acts 1, 11. First, this includes the spirit spiritual truth of of Christ's coming in righteous judgment for the wicked unto the praise of God's glorious justice and for the righteous elect unto the praise of God's glorious grace. This important doctrine also includes the truth that there is a hell and you guys know who follow my podcast on a regular. I allowed apostle Fred Casey Price He is the founder and apostle of Crenshaw Christian Center and Ever Increasing Faith Ministries, Increasing Faith Ministries. 
I played his teaching on hell. And I'm here to tell you, you if you want to soothe yourself and, and convince yourself that hell doesn't exist, you are in for a rude awakening, especially if you have not accepted Christ before you leave this earth. A rude awakening. Now, although a, a detailed understanding of hell or, or the lake of fire is not essential for salvation. Let's make that straight. A sober awareness and knowledge of hell is certainly essential. Hell is described by the Lord Jesus as a place where their worm diet not. Mark 9 chapter, um, no, Mark 9 verse 44, 46 and 48. And Apostle Price taught on that, where their worm died not. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. For those wicked that will be dispatched in that great and terrible day of the Lord, the day of judgment, the presence of God is a consuming fire that burns hotter than the sun shining in its strength and is also an eternal fire that is never quenched. Now, the doctrine of heaven is also included within the truth of Christ's coming. More than being the place of the new heaven and earth and the new Jerusalem, it is more infinitely grand than that. The same presence of God that is a consuming fire for the wicked and dead, Christ's presence is peace and comfort. Read 2 Corinthians 1 and 3. And fullness of joy with pleasures forevermore at his right hand. Psalm 16 verse 11. He, Jesus Christ, the God of our salvation is our eternal inheritance and it is his presence that makes heaven heavenly. It is written, beloved, now are we the sons of God and it do it not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. First John 3 and 2. Now, in conclusion of this first episode, I want to do a little recap. Let us review that which is the good news of the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. Number one, it contains the doctrine of Christ's incarnation. Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. And therefore, he is God in the flesh. Okay. Number two, it contains the doctrine of Christ's crucifixion, being both God and man, having two distinct natures, yet being one person. His penal substitutionary and atoning sacrifice is powerful to save and regenerate, merciful to forgive and guard. Holy to cleanse and purify, effectual to transform and sanctify, and mighty to accomplish and fulfill to the end. Number three, it contains the doctrine of Christ's resurrection. As Christ was crucified and resurrected the third day, uh, we should also reckon ourselves dead and risen with him. This gives us grace upon grace for growth, strengthen faith to trust upon Christ for the present and blessed hope to wait upon Christ for the future. Number four, it contains the doctrine of Christ's ascension. 
as Christ has ascended upon the throne of his glory. He has made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ. And number five, it contains the doctrine of Christ's restitution. Jesus Christ is returning for his own. All those who have not repented and confessed Christ, who have not cast themselves upon Christ alone, alone in trusting faith, those should tremble in dread fear and sober consideration. God commands all men everywhere, no matter who you are, no matter what religion you are associated with, to repent and to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Look ye upon Jesus Christ and be ye saved. Now that concludes episode one of this nine part series entitled The Simple Gospel. So I want you to stand by for an invitation to accept Christ. If you don't know him, you should know him after episode one, after you confessed Christ as Lord and Savior. Trust me. Oh, just stand by for an invitation to accept Christ and my closing remarks. To everyone who hears this message, including those who profess to having accepted Christ, but don't possess his spirit, and to the non-believers who are chasing religion looking for God, Tomorrow is not promised to you. Now is the acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. There is no other way to get to God outside of Christ. There is no back door. I want you to read John chapter 14 verses 1 through 6. All you have to do to secure your salvation in Christ is to say this simple prayer one time and mean it. Father God. I am a sinner in need of salvation. I confess that Jesus is Lord, and I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. And because I confessed and believe this in my heart, God, your word says I'm saved. Amen. If you said this simple prayer, my friends, you have just been saved by grace. Yes, it's just that simple. If you were sincere, you should feel a change in your heart right now. You now have free access to God. You are a saint, a believer, and most importantly, a child of the Most High God. I encourage you to join a faith-based teaching church. Continue to listen to Learning Bible Truth so you can grow in faith and learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Renew your mind with the word of God so you can establish a relationship with him. God wants you to enjoy life, laugh, love, forgive, and treat everyone you encounter with compassion, dignity, and respect. Now stand by for my closing remarks.
I pray that you were blessed by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this message, please send your comments or questions to talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com. And if you would like to support this podcast financially because you feel we have been a blessing to you, go to one of my five podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, or Radio Public, and contribute an amount of your choice. Now, until next time, remember that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D., rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope to see you next time.